friends, welcome back to the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined tonight on a very special double feature by my friend and returning co-host, Kevin Weinman. Kevin Weinman. <laughs> now, we were debating before, and I don't know if it'll stick, but I think this is good. We're going to call this the Paradopes double feature because i love a good pun and uh this movie these two movies certainly have some of the most periscoping i've ever seen in a movie yep like it's a high amount of periscope usage <laughs> uh, uh yeah usually on a periscope level uh the over under is about 0. 0.5 so this these these were hitting like fours uh, yeah right. yeah this was definitely yeah. overarching i watched the entire leprechaun series this month and i didn't see one goddamn periscope mm-hmm. what a letdown <laughs> All right, guys, so as always, if you like the show, and we hope you do, please take a second, leave us a rating and review wherever you find us, especially on the Apple Podcast app. That helps us out a ton with the metrics. We appreciate that. You can find us on all the social media platforms you're on. Uh, We're really active on Twitter, at FilmAlchemist, number one. Uh, So get at us there. Tell us movies you'd like to see cover, people on the show, double features, month-long themes, anything. We want to hear from you. Also... You can now see our faces along with hear our voices on YouTube. Our channel's called Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. So that's enough business. Let's get to what we came here for. Mm-hmm. Uh, shenanigans at the end of the world, right? That's, like, that's what these movies made me think about. Uh, like, yeah. So you chose um, a submarine-themed double feature, right? Yeah. Uh, would you like to go ahead and talk about what you chose and why you chose it? A little bit of context. So we're going to be talking about Hunt for October. The other part is uh, Crimson Tide. The reason behind both of this, uh, both of these movies is because, first off, they're near and dear. I've watched them a thousand times. Yeah. Uh, but I think that in the realm of action films, they are their own genre and the fact that it's really interesting to see how a director can make a very contained space really action-packed compared to the fact that it's like when you go to the exterior shot it's just a tube and yeah. they shoot little tubes at other tubes right. and then you got to make that interesting right and both of these movies <laughs> deliver at a high watermark what that feels like and what that looks like and i i i feel like it relies more on the uh acting yeah. it relies more on the people that are involved in 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 each one of these scenes whereas if you went and watched Die Hard, which is, again, another wonderful near and dear uh, movie to my heart, and a McTiernan film, although Bruce Willis is absolutely incredible, a lot of that movie is amazing just because the action's amazing. Every single right. one of those scenes is amazing. Well, you don't have the luxury of relying <laughs> on the fact yeah. that a building blows up when you're in a submarine. There's only so many submarines in the world. That's so true. anyways, that's a long-winded explanation as to say – Red October is going to be the first one that we talk about, and uh, there's a lot to unpack in this movie. And and uh, I I I would like to pride myself on being an expert, so I'm very <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited about what we're about to talk about. Right. And when you told me we're going to choose uh, Crimson Tide and the Hunt for Red October, I told you this is weird. This never happens to me because I've watched a fuckload of movies in my life. Like I pride myself on how many movies I consume. But I forget, I think it's weird for those of us that watch like a lot, a lot of movies. I'm sure you do. Yeah. We all watch way more movies than we think we do, I think, is like one of the themes, too. But it's weird when you find the blind spot. And I was like, you're the first person ever who's pitched me a double feature on this show. Yeah. And I hadn't seen any of the movies. <laughs> and I was like, how the fuck have I not seen Crimson Tide? And when I turned it on, I didn't even know Denzel was in it. 
and Gene Hackman, two of my all-time favorites. No I was like, way. what happened that that movie existed? And it's and, a Tony Scott film. And James Gandolfini, who's, like, one of my all-time, like, if I could fucking go back and, like, make someone an immortal, it would, Gandolfini would be in the running. I love him so much. And I was like, how the fuck did I not know this movie existed? And Hunt for Red October, very much the same. I was like, all right, Sean Connery. I lo- obviously, my favorite movie ever is Highlander, right? Where Sean Connery has a Scottish accent, but he's playing a Spaniard who was living for hundreds of years in Egypt by way of Japan, right? I was like, yep, sure. But he's just like, I'm just going to go Scottish. Mm-hmm. So now you have the Scottish by way of Lithuania, I think, <laughs> right? Russian evil submaster. And I was uh-huh. like, that sounds great. Like, I'm in. Yeah. And it's just one of those, I never watched him. And so I started pondering. I was like, why did I miss these movies? And I think I chalked him up. I'm like, oh, those are movies for, like, my dad and boring uncles, right? Like, they're into that. And I was like, so that's not my shit, right? Like, I'm watching horror movies. I'm watching weird stuff. Like, trying to, you know, watch things that do more work. For So, like, if I tell someone I watch, like, oh, you're one of those guys. You know what I mean? You've got some clout. Whereas I feel like if you told someone in, like, ninth grade, like, I like Hunt for Red October, they'd be like, cool, where are your jorts and Reeboks? You know, when are you mowing your lawn this weekend? Right? Let's be honest, I didn't have a serious relationship until <laughs> senior year of college. <laughs> You're like, stop bringing up the past for me. No, but I just, I equated them to like my dad's movies. Yeah. I, I didn't even know, I watched this movie, I didn't know Jack Ryan was a doctor. Yeah. I thought he was like a low-rent Jack Reacher. Uh, so I had no idea, I was just like, these were my dad's books and movies, and I never watched them. And to your point, what I do love about these movies I think the submarine is one of the best settings for a movie, right? Yeah. Because as a horror movie guy, right, I equate submarine movies to zombie movies. And everyone knows, right, the zombie scares only get you so far, right? Like, of course, we want to see the Savini body get ripped apart. Mm -hmm. Walking Dead, you like that. But the real engine that drives a zombie movie is not the zombie. It's people put in a pressure cooker that start making bad, unethical decisions based on the world we live in now. Right. Right, because their world has changed, and they got to start making the decisions that we would be uncomfortable with as an audience. There's an outside That's force what happens bearing in a down. Yeah, yeah. outside like force bearing said, down to make your already intense scenario right. even more intense. Yeah, you you cannot escape. There's no fucking getting out. Right. In as a claustrophobic person, I thought I was like, oh my god. When in like Crimson Tide, they're like, we're gonna be down for sixty five days. I was like, having palpitations. I was like, can you fucking imagine? And so, the first movie we were talking about, Hunt for Red October. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see I, I'm I'm excited to hear why this movie means so much to you. Okay. Because to me of the two, this one I I know it's considered a slow burn. Mm-hmm. But I, I finished it and I was like, this movie definitely could be like an hour shorter, right? Like I think like a good hour and a half. But this is the thing, right? With with that premise, right? Russian commando steals a submarine, is driving it towards America, both sides are gonna you imagine the movie you're gonna get. And then John McTiernan directing. Sean Connery's the bad guy. You're like, all right, I, I, this is going to be like The Rock Underwater. And that's not the movie this is. And I, I, I think that was part of it for me, is it took me a long time to adjust to what the movie was and not what I thought it was. Um, so, w- w- great point. I think one of the things that's going to be really important for the discussion is just a little bit of backstory about Hunt for October, is that, like, this guy, they have the best weapon in the world. This is oh, a, yeah. this, this, this is a submarine. The Russians have built a submarine that could effectively end the world. Absolutely. And, and the Marco Ramius, Sean Connery's character, defects because he, uh, the, the, the fact that the entire movie is predicated on his belief is, cr- is it, yeah. I think that that's really exciting because it's like it's unbelievable. Th- this guy who the Russians have, have deemed as being the best 
in their like the best commander, the of villainous schoolmaster, right? Villainous yeah. schoolmaster. <laughs> By the way, what a nickname! Villainous like, to live your life. To, yeah, villainous right. to <laughs> If that's your nickname, you have kicked ass in life. Like yeah. that's amazing. <laughs> so, but 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 like. Uh, the, and, and by the way, watching this as a kid, uh, to give all your listeners a heads up, I watched this as a kid because my dad and I watched it, and it was like sixth grade, and I just kept watching it, and yeah. I thought it was really fun. It's like um, I was busy watching Rover Dangerfield. You're like, I'm contemplating the end of the world yeah, and geopolitical percent. like so, submarine. <laughs> so, but you don't, you don't just. You're actually right in line with uh, why this movie was almost not made. The, yeah. the reason why it wasn't almost made was because Tom Clancy's novel was actually incredibly in depth yeah. uh, with a lot of jargon mm. um a lot of naval tactics that people wouldn't translate to the screen so they didn't know how they were going to make this amazing book but very specific book into right. a film and and luckily after years and years of work of trying to put it together they they, they get it on the screen but it here's the funny part by the time that they actually got it on the screen the cold war was over so everyone <laughs> was really concerned that this wasn't going to have any return because they were yeah. like we don't care about whether or not right. Russia does anything. Side note, everyone hates Russia. So you can always put right. them as it doesn't matter whether or not the Cold War is over. as long <laughs> as we're blowing up Russians, we're fine. You don't have to give me a backstory. Like yeah. they made up stuff in Crimson Tide and we'll get to it, but it's like Hunt for October. That part made me laugh when Sean Connery kills the KGB guy and his name was Putin. I was like, Did they know? Like, what's happening? Yeah, like, was- this movie. But this is this is what blew me away watching this movie. There are a couple of things that struck me. Because, again, I'm of the camp. I was like, if you really pressed me, right? I think Hunt for Red October is a little long. And this is this is what this movie reminded me of, right? It's like, imagine the world's greatest sausage. And they always say, right, don't see how it's made. And that's what this movie is, right? You're watching it from cow to slaughter to making to putting it in the tube to cook. Like, you see the whole process. Right. And I'd imagine for guys that are really into, like, the ins and outs of how this stuff works – that that's really fascinating to me. I kept waiting for, come on, come on, come on. No, but I think by the end of the movie, though, once you settle into it, I think it's actually a really great choice of the movie, right? Yeah. Because if this movie got super bombastic, right? Like, let's say, like, because I remember pausing, I was like, this movie's forty-five minutes in, and this is where I would say the second act starts, like the real movie, like we're chasing and we're defecting, right? You're like, that's a long fucking time to expect an audience to sit for this kind of a movie before it gets going. But why I think that serves the movie well is because it's asking us this one great question, right? The the thing that is the most scary about this movie and what should be building terror inside of your heart is you're like, holy fuck, man. Some guy can just wake up and one day be like, yeah, I might end the world today. One fucking guy. And they're in a sub. And just the the claustrophobia and the, the solitude of the under the water. I will do what I want. Like, here's a great scene that struck me, right? So there's a scene where he kind of tells the men, right? Like, hey, we're going to go fuck with the Americans. You know, show them that USSR dong. We're going to scare them, right? We're going to get our swag back. And all the guys are like, yeah, and they're fucking singing. You hear the ghostly singing across. Salute to yeah, it's amazing. You're like, that scene is great. Yeah, right. You already saw Sean Connery break a fucking fool's neck. You're like, yeah, man, I know what movie this is. And then all of a sudden he comes in. He's like, actually, we're like defecting. And so the the crew is not in on this ruse, right? So later... When someone fires a torpedo at them, you see the crew and they're like, wait, what the fuck? Someone fired. And there's this scene where Sean Connery's looking around the room and he just looks at all these like young Russians. And he knows that they know whatever he told them is fucking bullshit. And there's just this energy in that scene of 
is one of those guys going to say, get him? And it has so much fucking tension. You feel like your TV's going to explode. And that's what this movie does extremely well. I really loved the partnership, though, of Sam Neill, because in that <sighs> moment, in that moment, he goes, if they were really shooting at us, we'd already be dead. Like, right? <laughs> like, like, so he, Russia doesn't miss, my Russia, friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come on, you know we're good. Um, so, uh, like, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that one of the things I really loved about the I actually enjoy the length of the movie because the issue with doing a Tam- Tom Clancy novel is that um, shortening it in general is always going to be a, a pain. Patriot right. Games or Clear and Present Danger, like any of these Jack Ryan things, uh, there's going to be a lot to unpack. So it's yeah. very difficult to condense. Um, I think that they did a pretty good job of making sure that the entire audience knew this guy's bad. We're good. Whether or not you completely can unpack the reasons why is yeah. really up to you but like it's still delivered uh for me i so i i mean i wrote down here that it's so funny that you bring up the the music the score and the music in this movie are so good mm-hmm. and i don't know what it is about submarine movies but we find this out in crimson tide too if you just get a chorus of men singing very like passionately yeah. about something like whether or not it's about the navy or whether or not it's in russian there's something about that that's underlying where you're like ooh, like I'm getting I'm I'm getting ready to go in. You know what's funny is that's your reaction. Yeah. My reaction to any time I see large groups in unison yeah. is absolute terror. Right? Because my thing is like, fuck, this submarine is full of true believers. Oh, oh, and true what, terror for a good reason. It's but fucking, it's still great. Oh, it's, it's, it's no, still but it, it like sends moment. a chill down your spine. Yeah. And not just because like I'm one of those guys like I think music is like the darkest magic humans have, right? Where they sometimes you can just hear a song and it takes your body over. And I was yeah. like, fuck, dude, that's what they write horror movies about. But we'll just go to a bar to, like, do that. And, like, none of us act like that's insane. Yep. That when Queen comes on, we'll all fucking start singing. Like, we just act like, yeah, that's just something that happens at any other time in our life. Like, when Bohemian Rhapsody comes on, everyone shuts the fuck down. And I was like, dude, that's fucking terrifying. That's what Terminator movies are about. And we're just doing that. But this is the thing. So, in Crimson Tide, what I think is really great, right? And like you said, the Tom Clancy-ness of it is... I want you to know chain of commands. I want you to know how this would, what branches they're. And from. I'll go into that. Yeah, in a second. and there are like all these like you know. Oh, I got to go up north, and now I'm meeting two. And it, it feels like one of the like a guy who used as a screen used to be. I still screen right, just no one cares. And I used to analyze screenplays as a job, right? And my note, I can already in tell, the comments section hit up Josh if you want him to go and do anything with your uh, screen. <laughs> you like, don't. It's if fine. you want notes, <laughs> he'll help you out. Yeah, let him. Yeah, <laughs> they're probably like you don't like Red October. Fuck you. <laughs> I do like it. Chill the, out. Yeah, yeah. But just here. Different. My theory would be is like, why do we need six different naval commanders, right? Shrink that down. We got James Earl Jones, the guy up north, the cowboy on the side. And that, but this is what becomes fascinating. Is again, it's like it's one of those things that all the things that bothered me actually work to kind of fucking jujitsu me by the end of the movie. Right. Which is you are sitting here looking at all of these men in powerful posts with enormous amounts of responsibility and people following them. And at the end of that fucking movie, you're down to like three guys who can decide the fate of our world and a bunch of powerful men are sitting there helplessly hoping it works out and it's so fucking scary because this is the thing this everyone i read online right i went on letterbox and read a bunch of reviews everyone's like this is a top-notch thriller and i was like for about an hour and a half there's almost nothing thrilling about this movie to me right like the epitome it's like we got to do like a, a fast trench run Right. And it's like they like you said they cut to the outside of a tube and it's like, 
<laughs> it looks like like I see the women at Walmart going like, faster like they're on their rascals. Thor's yeah. peaks, and oh. you're like, oh, yeah, you're like these names are hardcore. There's rocky stuff. We're gonna, oh man, we're going to 28 knots. And they go outside, and you're like, Jesus Christ, like that's how fast I walk my dog. But what becomes fascinating by the end of the movie and where the tension is is you're like, it just the the helplessness of us as a species is so on fucking front street in this movie and that's how i i just was like i felt helpless the whole movie well they're, they're, like one of my favorite parts that they keep cutting back to is when um and i'm not gonna name names because i can't forget I, I forget who the actors were but um <laughs> the, the 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 representative from the united states is talking to the old <laughs> ambassador for um uh russia right and 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 he's <laughs> and every time that they talk you know he's spilling lies to him about what's actually happening, and 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 at the end of the movie he's like, "You've lost another submarine," right? And and he's and he looks down at his hat. And the thing that <laughs> I I think was so interesting about that, it, like you had mentioned, when it, whenever it pivots out of the submarine moments, you're like, it loses a little bit of the tension. Whereas with me, yeah, a ton. When it pivoted out, it was a necessity because you see how many levels it affected like the guys at the very top are all lying to each other so that all these different levels are now affected by that so that now the u.s has to depend on the cowboy alec baldwin to do the right thing to have all of this stuff work out and it's all predicated on lies and and, 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 and misleading right it becomes weaponized tedium yeah right where at the end of the movie you're like we're seeing them like underwater and you're like what the but when they cut up Right. The Russian soldiers in the life rafts are like, he's fighting the Americans. Yep. And the guy, you know, James Earl Jones and them in the boat, they're like, we can't fucking fire on a Soviet in- sub. We're on. And you're like, that's what becomes so oh. scary is that these yeah. guys who were emotionally invested in. Right. Yeah. The guys on that, the the Red October, they are but pawns in this fucking enormous thing. And that that becomes a scary thing by the end of the movie is a scale. Right. Like you said, the politician scenes are great because it's just two guys from two countries who almost ended the world just getting together to lie to each other's faces and they know they're doing it. Yeah. And what that lets you know yeah. when he says you lost another submarine is this shit's going to happen again. <laughs> like this is this is just something that feel cuz it feels like this huge thing during the movie and the ending of the movie is like yeah this is going to happen in like 3 months it feels like. Like we're not going to learn like you know Remius or Ramius, right? Like Connery's like, Mark I'm, I'm going to go fucking fish on that island. I've escaped, right? Like, welcome to the new world. And you're like, yeah, for you. Yeah. But like, I pray to God there are other, like, this is the thing both movies rely on heavily is that there are soldiers that are not stoked for war. No, right. right. Like, yeah. there are people that choose war as a career that despise war and they're influenced and that's what's awesome they're influenced by literature yeah like sean connery it's (laughs) it's like the anniversary of his wife's death yeah like these are things that play into the decisions of people that are could have nuclear war happen yeah and that's so interesting because alec baldwin's pulling up stuff where it's like it's a room full of military minds right yeah. when they're all talking about like what are we going to do about this marco ramius guy and then he's like this is the anniversary of his wife's death and they're all like why do we care yeah and he's like well i mean because yeah. he's a person and these are things that i think actually matter yeah. and they all look at him like he's a kook this whole this whole movie is kind of based on your gut feelings and just being a person and uh, yeah. doing the right thing i i i have to i have to tell you that's one of my favorite lineup of uh, actors in movie yeah. history. Everybody in their role fits perfectly. 
Okay, now this is where I want to ask you because yeah. I thought Alec Baldwin was was shockingly miscast. You know, except what I mean? for Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I beat you to the punch. But I watched this. I was yeah. like, "How the fuck?" Uh, well, all right. Did they all right. cast Alec Baldwin. So let in this me give movie. you a side story. So Alec, Alec Baldwin obviously <laughs> Alec Baldwin obviously is in this movie. Um, he Alec Baldwin really really wanted to be in the next. He wanted to be in Patriot Games, and he wanted yeah. to be in Clear and Present Danger. And when <laughs> and when they found out that they could get Harrison Ford, they shipped yeah. him, and it, which was a brilliant move because Harrison Ford is so much better than Alec Baldwin. Yeah, by a uh, lot. <laughs> but but like uh, uh, Courtney B. Vance is one of my favorite characters in this entire thing as C Man Beaumont, mm-hmm. uh, Stellan Skarsgård, right? Awesome, so good. Sam Neill. I've never been Tim Curry. I've Tim I've, Curry not being the saboteur. I was like, what a great casting. You're immediately like, of course, the spineless Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> there's that moment. There's that moment where it's like, this is sabotage. And he's yeah. like, sabotage. He's like, Captain. Like, <laughs> it's like you're really I can't it. stay. You're expecting Tim Curry to just break in. Yeah, but that's what I mean. What I love about that group too is they're like, let's just get guys with like really distinct accents that are clearly not Russian. Not in the. If you have bit. any accent, yep. like you're in. Yep. But that is so brilliant. Because, like, again, they weaponized Tim Curry. So you're like, of course he's not in the meeting. You know, he's Tim Curry. He has to be nefarious. I've seen every Tim Curry movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I know this is coming. And at the end, he's actually, like, rah-rahing the guys. Like, Ramius is fighting him. Yeah. And it's awesome. And even at the end, until Sam Neill gets shot, I was convinced Sam Neill was going to be the saboteur. No way. Really? I was fucking convinced because I – it's one of the. I think I'm so interested in this. Really. You have so much time in that movie, right? Like to me, my brain is like, there's downtime. I was like, they're setting me up for like a fucking big third act, right? So in my mind, I start like, I'm trying to cheat, right? I'm like, I'll figure this fucking out, and I'm like, and I was like, who would be the most fucking likely to fucking betray him, right? So what did would you, be did, the best? Did and you Sam feel Neil was the first one down at the reactor? Sure, sure, sure. Like there was just moments where I was like, oh, this motherfucker. Did you feel betrayed that it was a goddamn cook? No, I loved it. Great. Because here's what I love, too. Because this is when I was like, oh, fuck, I'm on Sam Neill's ass. Is when he's like, I just want to live in Montana with an overweight wife who makes rabbits and drive a truck. I was like, I've never been so sad for a guy not to live out his dream of living in Montana, raising rabbits and, and marrying a fat yeah, American woman. It's the saddest I wish I had rabbits dream since of mice and men. Dude, right? he, like, he, he looks up and he's like, <laughs> I, I would have liked to have lived in Montana. Uh, but this is... <laughs> That honestly is brilliant because this movie does the one thing I kind of hate in war movies. I hate any movie that kind of propagandizes, right? Where it's like, look at how great America is and it's awesome. We have all these weapons of war and that won't lead to more. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. Patriotism and like support. Their troops are doing their jobs. Like, I just in general hate movies that don't recognize how fucking despicable it is we have war. And this movie has a little of that. And I would say that. The Russian, like, second-in-command, whose biggest dream is to just go have the worst American life, mm-hmm. that is a real fuck you to Russia, right? That is a real that is a real shot across the bow, to use nautical Tom, terms. Tom, Tom Clancy had a checkmark list, and he's like, shittiest state, uh, God, Montana, I guess. Yeah. What, 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 what's the terrible job? Racing goddamn rabbits? Sure, fucking mark that right. off. Like, you know what's <laughs> weird, though? I'm just about to the age where I was kind of like, wouldn't mm-hmm. that be awesome? I was like, not too bad. We'll raise, <laughs> we'll raise 
rabbits and she'll yeah. cook them for me. Like, I looked at my I dad and I was ra- like, do yeah. we eat rabbits? No, I won't raise anything and kill it. But like, I would live in the middle of nowhere and never see another American. <laughs> right. Like, I'm, I think we all hit that age. It's like at 40 where it's like either you're the guy that wants to pre-schedule a hangout at Top Golf once a week yeah. or you want to move to the mountains. Like, uh, there's two kinds of us. <laughs> I, I, I have to bring something up to you because yeah. I, I, I want to get your feedback on this. All right. So one of my favorite actors of the 70s, 80s, going to the 90s, was Scott Glenn. Yeah. Um, Scott Glenn, every role that he was in was amazing. I loved him in this movie. Um, where was his market correction? Scott Glenn, in my opinion, should have been a top 10 actor of, of, of that time. But really? I felt Yeah. Like, he's so good in everything that he's in. But I was all, I was always wondering what actor was getting Scott Glenn's role during that time where he wasn't getting that major motion picture. Yeah. I, I I don't know. I always who felt was like the actor said, that snuck in like the cook and fucking torpedoed this man's career. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, very much like the cook, right? He's the boogeyman of the USSR. Where it's in the USSR, we are all one, but we're also all the enemy. Then like, who did that to Scott Glenn? I, I, I wonder whether or not it would be a Gene Hackman, or it would be a Dustin Hoffman, or it would be like maybe. I just feel like Scott does a really great job in this movie. I really like him in this movie, and especially when he he, do, he does a great job of towing that line of being frustrated and upset right. while also being on the side of like the, what's what's supposed to be happening is right like when 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 he's actually at the periscope and he's like right and he and he goes how did you know he's gonna turn to starboard and he's like at a 50 50 shot and he goes right. uh, you know what i might be sending him the whole uh the the, the codes to the <laughs> play play playboy centerfold or whatever and i was like that's so that that's such a great way of handling that because yeah. he was so direct about what he wanted as a as as the commander of that submarine yeah. but at the same time he was you know buddy enough for me to feel for scott glenn i right i'm a big scott fan that's all i got to say okay so this is how i try to figure this out right i google actors that look like scott glenn and what i realized is that scott glenn didn't hit his fucking stride until he became curmudgeon old man and this happens to a lot of actors like if you've seen new scott glenn right like i think of leftovers and castle rock right those are probably the last two things i've seen him in he's awesome as the like man who's seen it all sheriff who's just like kid you're fucking soft man like if this is breaking you got to get your fucking act together he's awesome at that role sure and when you see him as the cowboy right who's running this sub he has a lot of that attitude but so fucking stuffed into a suit Okay. The problem is, is that you can take any guy who looks, he's just one of those guys that like his face demands respect. He looks like That's every exactly principal. Right. He looks exactly like right. every boss. So they yeah. took him and they said, hey, man, let's just cram Scott Glenn in a suit, you know, military suit, office suit. Like he was in Silence of the Lambs, all that shit, right? Right. And that's one let's, of his best roles. Yeah. Let's put him in these roles where he's just telling other people what to do. And you're like, his best role is the guy who's seen it all and is like survived. Right, take him out of the suit and put him in a wife beater. That's where Scott Glenn's power is more palpable. Two of my favorite, two of my, well, my, da- it's my favorite actors, but my dad's favorite actors were Roy Schneider and Scott yeah, Glenn, exact- and those are literally the same. You just same fucking way. hit it. Roy yeah. Schneider is the fucking actor that Scott Glenn could have been. Yeah, and you know why? Because they pulled him out and said, "Hey, man, be a small town sheriff in <laughs> Amity, wherever Amity Island." Yeah, that's the role he missed. Yeah, he needed a role where he was in the suit, but then like Roy Schneider is great in that movie because of all the scenes where he takes the sheriff jacket off 
and is just a man in awe of nature. Yeah. And that's what Scott Glenn was. He has it now. I think everyone now is like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, old man Scott Glenn, right? It's like him and a. God damn it. Who's the actor from Don't Breathe VFW Avatar, right? Like, the old military. Oh, Stephen Lang, gosh. is that it? Yes. Lang. Yes. Yeah, Lang. He's the same guy where you're like, how has he not been getting so roles, good in Tombstone, right? All the roles forever. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, because when he became an old man. That's when he well, it's some actors the badassness like when they hit like the age where they're all gray, but they you're still scared of them. You're like, there's a you there's didn't a, ha- a primal genetic thing where we're all afraid of our dads. Yeah, on some level, right? We're yeah. like, you're like, I it's could very beat meta. my dad's ass like on a on a scientific like tail of the tape. I should be able to beat my dad's ass, but he spanked me when I was five, and I'm still fucking not over it. But. <laughs> None of those guys. None of those guys had that Leo, Brad Pitt, yeah. leading man, Moxie hey, that man. they were looking for. I, I and just that's that's what I mean though. The guy who's seen it all and survived is not that. Like Leo can't play that role when he gets. And I know people are like he can play anything. No, it's like you were too good looking for too good long too long. You know what I mean? That's not you. Like there are actors who do that role really well. And it has to be the guy that was character actor when he was young, didn't get the role, and now is an old man. It gives him that extra fucking bite. Okay. And and I I also love Scott. Like, there are just so many – and both of these movies are just littered with those guys where you're like, how did they just get – there are so many great actors. And you're like, how did that guy not, uh, like, have more? He, I love uh, him. Every Both of these movies have people that were front runners in other movies. Well, like, like who is the guy? That were side characters. And, and I'm so bad at names. That's and okay. I'm ashamed I forget. But the guy who was the commander right before they sent him to get on the fucking ship in the sea, right? He's just this old guy, surly Navy guy. He's the one who's like, hey, man, before you uh, bust Jack Ryan's balls, remember he was a Marine, blah, blah, blah. That guy who showed him just a little respect. Uh, I was like, the fucking gravitas and clout that guy brought And to how the great was that moment, too, where he was like, awesome. you uh, so th- awesome. uh, the the gentleman that you're talking about is um, Fred Dalton. Yeah, Fred Dalton, and that's what it. And, and it, Fred, it makes me mad. Cause it's like, dude, I do a film. Fred, podcast Fred Dalton, who ran for it. office, I fucking forget. But I'm like, he just has that thing. Oh, uh, he's like, so good in it, though. He like, always ends up in this role, though, where he's like somehow a part of like the chain of we need to tell the audience something. Yeah, but he has such fucking gravitas, and he's a million percent believable that he's that guy yeah. who's been stationed at the fucking ass end of the earth, and still, and that's what I mean. This movie is littered with those. But let me bring this point up. Okay, this movie reminded me of how fucking good Sean Connery is, and how often we forget it because of some of his lesser roles, right? League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and the one where. Uh, you know what's her name is like ass upping downing under the lasers whatever entrapment there's, no, there's nothing Entra- wrong with entrapment <laughs> i no I, no there's something wrong with it and it's sean connery's performance right everything else a-okay i get it uh but that's what he, he did like even highlander you're like how does sean connery end up in highlander and i'm beyond happy that he did right like i pray to the old ones that like that role keeps happening for guys but you're like how does sean connery right james bond and all these other great roles he's had. How does he? But this is the thing. He was one of those guys. It's like, oh, he's like the. He was James Bond, right? He had a franchise. Oh, he's doing kitschy shit, you know, like um, Highlander. There's the one where he's wearing like essentially the Borat costume, but red, like the yeah. Borat bathing suit, but red. I think it's called Outlander, right? So he has all these weird like genre movies. But when you see him in this, you're like, oh fuck! Like Sean yeah. Connery can act. He commands. He commands yeah. the screen. 
Uh, he literally just, just walks into a sub, and a lot of Sean Connery's performance in this movie is staring at people until they figure out why they're so dumb they've offended him. And it just reminds you, like, there are just people. And this gets back to your point about Scott Glenn. When you watch Sean Connery, right? And this is like the rock era Sean Connery, and he was having his old man renaissance. You watch that movie, and you are just reminded, you're like, some people just have the thing that makes them the main star of a movie. Yes. Some people have the movie star thing, right? And Sean Connery is a guy who came up in bodybuilding, got into James Bonks, they thought he was attractive, and, you know, he ended up just being this fucking movie star. Like, he's just got that thing. That when you watch that screen, you are just totally, like, if Sean Connery looked and broke the fourth wall, you'd be like, sorry, sir. Like, that's what he has in this movie. I forgot the era when Sean Connery was just the man. There's that moment where him and Scott Glenn are arguing about turning into the torpedo. Yeah. And the calmness where Sean just turns to him and he's like, and and then he goes, what book? And Alec Baldwin's like, what? I love that. What book did you write? (laughs) He's like, oh, you know, the uh, about this commander. And he's like, you had that all wrong. Yeah. Such wrong assumptions, right? <laughs> and then the other guy's like, "Hey, man, we're about to get blown." Acting foolishly, like I, I, I think because he knew, but but that that moment was so great because he 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 did a great job of of, of just being so calm. Mm-hmm. While Scott Glenn's like, "Don't don't turn don't turn that goddamn yeah." Uh, yeah uh, so just get, he's trying to turn to the right series. Yeah. Let, let me give you a heads Ugh. up. So, literally, Sean Connery was a last minute replacement. Really? I had, to, I had to pull this up. I don't just know how be- you do this movie without Connery. I had to pull this up just because I forgot the name of the guy. Um, so That's not a good sign. <laughs> I I can't stress this enough. The fact that this guy missed out on this role, kind of a nail in the coffin because I don't know who he is. Klaus Maria Maria Brandur. He was an actor in Out of Africa, so he's probably riding the wave of right. the Oscar win of Out of Africa. Mm. And uh, he was an Austrian actor and basically couldn't do it after uh, prior engagements uh, removed him from it. And by the way, what a fucking dude, what, I'm what, out what, whatever stu- I'm at. <laughs> what, what stupid poster is showing Alec Baldwin and Klaus, like the guy we've never heard of before, like Sean Connery yeah. nailed it. And and I know that sounds like a really dumb thing for me to be excited about, but like. I loved this movie because they turned from the subtitle moment in a very fun strategic moment that I don't see very often in movies, which is we keep it subtitled until we have a transitional like speech. And when that one guy is talking about like reading a book and then he uses the word Armageddon, that's literally the last word said in Russian. And then boom, it cuts off and it goes strictly to them speaking in, Apparently British because they're all British actors, <laughs> but they, they proper they all, English. But I, <laughs> as a kid, I didn't understand what what happened, and I looked yeah. at my dad. I was like, "What?" Happened? I was like, "They just want you to stop reading subtitles for like the rest of the movie." And so I was they like, knew oh. American dads were gonna walk the fuck out. <laughs> but give give me give me a movie in the last time where they spoke in subtitles to a certain extent and decided. In that moment, movie-wise, it would be smarter if we pivoted because it's Sean goddamn Connery that's going to be speaking yeah. the rest of this time. So there I, has to be some sci-fi movie where it's like, get the communicators! It, <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. We can all fucking talk in our normal voices. It, so I I always love that moment. And I thought that that was like yeah. a really great moment in the movie where it was like, oh, yeah, we you respect 
the audience you're playing to where it's like if i read a tom clancy novel tom wasn't asking me to read in russian the whole time yeah um one of the main reasons why you uh, uh and why i think a lot of people would probably have an issue with this movie in terms of the depth of naval knowledge that's in here yeah. is because they actually got the thumbs up to go and use all of that especially after top gun mm-hmm. uh so after top gun happened they realized the benefit in utilizing absolutely a lot of the stuff and, <laughs> right? and, 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 and they were like yeah yeah sign us up yeah. like whatever we can do so a lot of the filming that you saw was naval uh, like um uh approved shots of a submarine shots of a, a battleship that's not common. It's not commonplace, but they got it, and yeah. they were riding the wave of Top Gun at that moment. So I, I, I love that there was a depth of knowledge in this because they were almost playing to the fact that they could. Yeah, I feel like when we start talking about Crimson Tide, you're going to realize that you love that movie because they couldn't do that. Right, like they couldn't do any of that right. stuff that you're well, talking about. I told about. you I love Crimson Tide because I'm like that could have just been like a Sorkin or Mammoth stage play, and, and it would be my favorite stage play since Pillow Man. Like I would love that shit. Yeah, where it's just like, can you just give me two actors on the caliber of Denzel and Gene Hackman <laughs> talking about like, oh really, you use wet wipes when you poop? Cool. <laughs> oh, well, I use toilet paper because I'm not a hoity-toity Harvard man. And like they can just, do you know the first toilet paper was made after the. The tree of the Sumerians was like anything like hey, you know, you could take it as low in the gutter as you want, but those two talking about it would elevate it to a level you're like, that's fucking amazing. Well let me <laughs> let let me put let me put out a bucket list scenario for Griffey. Griffey, yeah. It, I want this to be part of your bucket list. I want you to be able to smoke a cigar on a submarine. <laughs> Son of a bitch, dude. Right before it goes down. Like I want you to be able to yeah. go and see what's happening and then be like, you know what? This is exactly why I joined the Navy. Throw the cigar and then uh, and then you walk in and you yeah, take the submarine down. Sure. So my your thoughts on the ability to smoke yeah. on a submarine as much Love as you would that. like. Okay. First off, let me let me take this out of the bucket list because the thought of me ever being in shape, having a haircut, or being in a submarine are impossible. I am I am a a maelstrom of insecurities and problems that would not allow that, right? But that was the thing both movies did, right? Like, when Gene Hackman's having that moment, I was like, fuck. I was like, the fucking just, they are the guys that I assumed my dad was, right? Like, they were mythologized to me, like him and Connery and these guys. When I watched that scene, and you know, like, Sean Connery has this too, but, like, mm-hmm. Hackman is actually doing the stogies. Mm-hmm. There was just such a power to it, right? Like, there's right. just, like, a manliness to these movies. And I'm not a guy who's often like, oh, that movie's bad. Like, I have friends that are like, a little fast and the furious man it's like for men and i'm like yeah for dumb men like not interested count me out but gene hackman and fucking sean connery you literally like i would follow their command right like i'm fucking in and you know what's so weird (laughs) i'll save that for the crimson tie because i thought of the weirdest movie connection between those two but again like just the fact that these movies played on the here is just a fucking movie star right We'll put them in a scenario where there's nothing like you don't have anything. The weird thing they tried to add in this movie, right, was we'll set up a ruse to steal the sub and there's a saboteur. Right. And you're kind of the whole movie like, why the fuck is the saboteur? Like, why didn't he just blow this fucking ship up? I don't know. An hour ago in the movie. Right. What is his fucking thing? They pace it out really nice. Like the Russians still think maybe they'll get it back, whatever, whatever. But what happens is. 
is you're just sitting there watching Sean Connery not lose his shit, knowing that there's someone on his boat that could blow it up. Mm-hmm. And that just adds to this fucking unshakable feel or unshakable feeling that oh my god look at the fucking power of this man because i i told you i'm claustrophobic shit and these movies actually triggered me a little bit did they really yeah like one of my favorite horror movies that i can almost never watch is the descent oh because that movie's all about skinny that women movie's so good that spurlunk yeah and you're like i'm never descending down into a hole where rocks are at the bottom right there's no foam pit or anything and then when they're like i think i can make it and you're like i'm Four times the mass of you. Like, there's no fucking way I'm getting through. Okay. I can't watch that. Yeah. And that is how these movies make me feel. Got it. The submarine becomes so fucking scary. Yeah. With Sean Connor, you're like, maybe if Sean was around to, like, guide me through and be the steady uh, <laughs> You're like, it's fucking crazy that no one on that sub defects earlier. It's it, crazy that they never just beat his ass and, like, take over the sub, right? Yep. Like, that's fucking insane. Yeah. The moment when they have to be like, hey, let's go propellers live and everyone in the world can hear us. They don't lose their shit. That's a really good screenwriting choice. I always think that it's really interesting in these movies, too, when all of a sudden they have to go and take a look outside of their submarine to see yeah. what's going on. Because I I am enthralled. It, again, this is why I loved Courtney B. Vance in this movie, because he plays the role of the guy where he's listening. Oh, God. He's, he's listening the best character to in the movie to me. By a, by a mile up here I'm gonna, up here I his per, when he was just talking about like learning to hear the rhythms of the ocean I was like I could watch that shit because this is the nice thing about movies like this if you're gonna take your time which this movie certainly does let the actors fucking go for it man and he got this is a guy who never really had that shot who got to go for it and it was well worth the wait. Pavarotti was a singer. Oh. Paganini was a composer. <laughs> he's like, I love that guy, dude. Whatever. Uh, so, yeah, so, man. so he's blasting Paganini yeah. and co- <laughs> coming out of their asses. <laughs> like I, that entire moment where yeah. he's like, if he starts giving you too much grief, ask him about Pavarotti. Yeah, man. Uh, and 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 you know, Courtney B. Vance in that moment where he's like. And the one way out of Pearl, like, like I, 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 I get so uh, 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 immersed in that moment because yeah. I used to be, I, I would talk to my dad, like when my dad and I would talk, I would do that scene verbatim for him. Yeah, uh, I oh, loved it. That's awesome. I loved man. it be, be, because because <laughs> I thought it was so much fun. Uh, uh, where this guy that's telling another guy, like, dude, take it easy, and this other guy yeah. coming in being like, that guy was you, yeah, like. Tw- t- you know four years ago or whatever i love that moment and i i guess i it stuck with me for a long time but uh there, there's a moment in the movie and i really ask everybody to watch it but this was again what gets my heart pumping in it is that they're dead to rights uh stellan skarsgård has just fired uh, a torpedo at him oh, man. he removed all of the safety features for that missile to go and hit them or a missile uh for the torpedo hit him mm-hmm. And then uh, they're like, we're out of countermeasures. I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to pivot. And all of a sudden, Dallas comes in and shifts itself to being the target because they've got all the countermeasures still. Yeah. And then Courtney B. Vance goes, way to go, Dallas. Like, I <laughs> lost it as a kid. I was like, ah, uh, that's amazing. Well, Im- Courtney B. Vance's character in this is so fascinating because imagine a guy with that insane amount of skill yep. and, like, maybe five people on earth can appreciate it. Uh, and so like 
for him to do that and them to be like, bring it down a notch. We get it. But the scene that struck me was when he goes out to the commander and the commander just hears him out. Yeah. And I think that is a really cool scene, yeah. especially for that era of movies, right? Where this guy just, and that's the great thing about the military oh. chain of command is I'm not a fan of anything that kind of dehumanizes us for like the greater being or the right. whole, right? The whole organism. But in that moment, you see when it's great, which is, are you just good enough? And he just tells him, he's like, hey, man, I, I don't think this is magma shit. And he's, and he's just, the commander's like looking and he's like trying, he's like, dude, you sold me. Like, can you keep doing this? And it's so beautiful the way they make that transition for the rest of the movie. Right. I absolutely loved it. And so one of the cool, but I think that's what you're getting at, right? Is that both of these movies really, really benefit from from just unbelievable casting directors. Could you right. imagine either of these movies, right? If 20 minutes in, you're like, man, I fucking hate that actor. Right? Like, how do these, like, and this is the thing about Crimson Tide. I actually love Alec Baldwin as an actor. Yeah, me too. But I like Glenn Gary, Alec Baldwin. This yeah. Alec Baldwin, I was like, he's creepy. He looks like a drug addict. Like, he might shank someone. Like, I didn't understand Baldwin in this movie at all. But every other character so fucking astounding. You're like, well, they're shuttling Baldwin through, so I can accept it. <laughs> every uh, the, the the thing that saved Alec is just the writing that Tom had. Like yeah, like sure. like Jack Ryan is such a strong character that yeah. he could he you could write anything in anybody. Like I think of everybody that played Jack Ryan, right? right? So it starts with Alec Baldwin, and it goes to Harrison Ford, and then it morphs into Ben Affleck for one movie, and then it goes to um. Um, what is it krasinski now well, does well it? Actually, actually let's um uh chris pine was jack ryan for one movie too was he really mm-hmm. um fucking hell and then it went in john krasinski so fyi uh, i think john krasinski is a great iteration of it great uh i i always have a heart for harrison i think harrison's probably yeah. the top uh well he's in, like in the, the guy he's like on the pantheon <laughs> of like man that guy had a career yeah bro. so like it's gonna be really hard for anyone it, to supplant it, it, harrison, harrison harrison ford before he went into a a, a movie was like can I make like three or four of these and do the same guy? <laughs> he was like, he was Star Marvel Wars universing and before Marvel universe. A thousand existed. percent. Cause he's like, if I gotta learn some sort of stupid dialect, I don't want to go and do that. Like the fact that they didn't just like make him Nick Fury or anyone in Marvel is yeah. crazy. Well, right? well, the, you're like, you know, Harrison will show up for a paycheck. Come yeah. on. <laughs> Harrison, Harrison absolutely would have. Um, but I think that, uh, so, a lot again. I, I I look at the fact that a lot of the different people that were casted were really great. The fact that they went away from Alec was actually really smart. Yeah. But like when it comes to Alec in general, he just had to go and play the straight character because all yeah. the rest of the characters around him were so strong that it was almost a benefit that he wasn't a strong Jack Ryan. Right. Because you look at the rest of the movies that come up, like Patriot Games, mm. Jack Ryan has to be. The focal point has to be very dynamic. Yeah. Well, he starts In becoming Bond like. Uh, yes. And it's it's not the same. Because what I love, really to summarize this movie to me, what I loved was so Jack Ryan becomes a, like, I was so taken aback that he was just like this goofy doctor who like had a kid and he was afraid of flying. Like all these like little quirks. Because I, I know Jack Ryan as. I think the first Jack Ryan shit I probably ever saw was some of all fears, right? Mm. We're like, oh, he's like a, you know, I remember him as like, oh, it's like American James Bond, right? Yeah, not like, a bad movie. All right, either. fine. Sure. But to watch him, he becomes kind of a perfect POV of the audience where 
he knows just enough to not get run out of the room. Right. But also he's constantly taken aback by the fact that these career professionals are also keeping up with him and the links that they'll go to to help him out. And that really strengthens the core of this movie. Because to me, if I if I had written this movie, right, and I think why it wouldn't have been successful is I would have just made this all Connery. Like, in my mind, like, the easy bad screenwriting decision is, like, we're going to go Madman Connery because this shit is great. Because it is hard. It's a hard sell in your brain sometimes. But like, so this guy just misses his wife and fishing? Right. So he's going to blow up the world? And then right. you're like, oh, but he's not. And this is... I think what's really cool is that in scene, right, with the terrible day for night lighting and like out whatever was going on with Baldwin's hair, where they're just like, "That's where I fished. Hey, maybe that's where I'll fish too." But what they say to Connery is, "You know, welcome to this new world." And there's this kind of hopefulness that this movie still embodies, right? Because essentially, this is a movie where a Russian sub, undetected to us, Mm -hmm. can be stolen by one guy, Mm -hmm. driven to Washington, and level our capital. Mm We can't do shit to stop him, right? Unless he fucks up. Or a Russian saboteur fucks him up. By the end of the movie, it's just two guys from these two superpowers that want to murder each other talking about fishing. Yeah. And so, while I think the movie is telling you with the politicians, like, hey, man, they'll always be doing this shit. I think what it tells you that at a base level, and I think maybe both of these movies are naively optimistic about uh, military commanders that don't ever want wars to happen. Yeah, correct. Right? Which, yeah. I mean, I think we all wish that our military commanders were like these old wise, like, sages. Like, well, I would never launch a bullet unless it was the last fucking opportunity. Correct. Right? Not necessarily Gene Hackman's take, but, like, you know, he's we'll used as a foil for that idea. Yeah. But, the and this is what becomes scary, and I think this is the thing. I initially was hating the movie, but I think by the end it had won me over because... I think the layers of bureaucracy are a really nice counter. Crimson Tide is an in-your-face, let two amazing actors scream at you about why this is scary. Right. The tedium, the weaponized tedium of Crimson Tide to say, there are 800 layers of people trying to solve this. Okay. And at the end of it, it's still just Sean Connery and uh, Alec Baldwin hopefully winning out. It's fucking crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. There are staggering implications of this movie beyond the screen. And so I think that slow burn and showing you all these powerful actors that have no ability to save the day is is actually a strength of the movie by the end. And so I'm a Matt, you you've seen it more than once. I haven't. I would imagine it's the movie that gets better the more you watch it. This might be the fortieth or fiftieth time that I've watched this movie. Oh no shit. Yeah. Like, I think I've only seen, like, Halloween that many times, right? Uh, just to give your listeners context, like, uh, I, for one for one year of my life, I played football, and I broke every bone in my body, so I stopped. <laughs> but, like, we had two-day practices, so in the middle of two days, you have, like, two hours to just kill. Yeah. And so I would put that movie on right when I got home. Yeah. And, because it was almost a perfect amount of time before right. I had to take off. You're just set. Um. Can I can I share a bit of Absolutely. information with Whatever you? Whatever you got, man. One of the things that I love about this movie was that people that were in the movie actually had military experience. Um, Sean Connery was in the Royal Navy. Mm-hmm. Scott Glenn, our uh, the guy that we love, love U.S. Marine. That does not surprise me one iota. <laughs> James Earl Jones was in the ROTC and did U.S. Ranger training. Yeah. So. 
I think part of the reason why this movie resonates with me too is because a lot of the characters were relatively invested yeah. in the people that they were actually portraying because they thought it was important to be able to go and uh, show the character that pro- they probably saw while they were coming up right. in the military. Um, and they did a great job of kind of making sure that the audience could feel that, right? For sure. Like, <laughs> I don't know why I love this um, uh, scene so much, but when when all of the bigwigs are in that room and that one guy questions Alec Baldwin about why he feels the same, uh, why, oh, why, yeah, why he knows all this stuff, and he's like, actually, I, I, I've met... I met him and I spent time with him. You know right. how much how much time have you spent with him? Love that call out. But there was this moment where everyone's leaving the room except for Alec because yeah. he's been asked to stay. And then <laughs> James Earl Jones turns to him and he's like, "I told you to speak your mind, but Jesus, yeah, right. <laughs> James Earl Jones is so delightfully it's charismatic. So delightful. <laughs> I like that scene too because like that's one of the things that we were. I was like, he's really banking a lot of cred on this one dinner. It was like, imagine all the dinners you've been with with anyone. It's like, yeah. would you like stake the fate of the entire world on it? For me, no. Uh, I'll tell you my scene that I'll walk away. I'll never forget this scene. And I fucking, I adore it, right? I'm ready. Because I was way more into the Russian side of this, right? Mm. Connery, Tim Curry, and Sam Neill. They spent more time there. Yeah. They're like the hocus pocus witches of like capturing my heart through magic. I love all those actors, right? Love it. So the scene when they have the first meeting with the commanders and they're just like, hey, man, like uh, we are defecting. We're defecting. And you just watch these guys go through the stages of like, oh, fuck, we should go back. Like, what have we done? Blah, blah, blah. Right. And Sam Neill's trying to like defend Connor. But Connery's not saying shit until at the end when he's just like, hey, man, this is it. And he ends with the line and he's like, does anyone else want tea? Because they ask him, like, he didn't really die slipping on tea, did he? And he just let him know, like. Do you want tea? Also, I will fucking smash your throat. But this is what Connery's able to do is he just fucking eyes people. And then he says the thing he needs to say. And that scene to me was just fucking brilliant, right? Like for a scene like that, because this is like film is a show me, don't tell me medium, right? And this a lot of this movie exists purely in a people talking about things that we don't see happening movie. The amount of fucking tension they're able to get because of these amazing actors is actually phenomenal to me. He, in that moment, told them that he already wrote to Russia (laughs) that he plans to defect. Yeah, so me and my father-in-law are fighting. You're now in it. (laughs) And then one of of those guys goes, you've signed our death warrant. And and actually, my favorite part was everyone had had left. Mm -hmm. And so it's him and Sam. He's like, I don't care about the Russians. I know yeah. their tactics. I know what they're going to do. Yeah. It's like, it's the Americans I'm concerned yeah, about. Yeah, man. And I was like, <laughs> I know the line. Oh, so what, good. What if we get a buckaroo? <laughs> we, <laughs> like, I like the thought the, that we can all be buckaroos <laughs> out here fucking up like Americans. We're going to need some sort of buckaroo. And then they cut to Alec Baldwin, which was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. If you get on presidential election Twitter, there's a lot of buckaroos running around. It's a scary time. <laughs> uh, I, but this, that scene though, that whole sentiment, right, of Sean Connery, is it, like that carries right through to the end, right? The scene at the end when he's just like, of course I'm going to fucking beat my punk-ass student who only loves himself. Yep. Because Connery loves humans, uh. and he wants the world to survive. But at the end when 
uh, Stellan Skarsgård, right? Just another like you just killed us, you arrogant ass. Yeah. Your arrogance just kill us. You're like, what the fuck? You're like Connery's dudes so would never talk to him like not that. a million years. And that's I love movies that take a shot and in one line, right? Like that line and shot, right? Take out the explosion, maybe ten seconds of the movie. Yeah, that tells you so fucking much about the Russian Navy and Sean Connery's character in like 10 seconds, right? A thousand percent. And that's such a small percentage of a two hour and 15 to 30 minute movie. But that one little fucking shot, I was like, I know everything now. Like, I totally get it. And yeah, like I, I'm with you, right? Like, they don't, we don't need the fucking, oh, we're turning and dodging. This is something I learned on this double feature. I didn't know bubbles were like the best defense against tornado. Tor- torpedoes fire the bubbles (laughs) release the bubbles right like my kids would never get hit with a torpedo but like you're like yeah it's not exciting but what is exciting is that there are just these dudes that are so strong in will and personality and they're just fucking stuck and the fact that we say hey man here's the ability to end the world be cool (laughs) like it's fucking crazy but sean connery in this movie portrays the power of like i would trust him yeah right right uh scott glenn has that power of like that's why those motherfuckers exist yep that's why and and again that's why because stellan skarsgård they always kind of shoot him like close up and ramey angles where he looks like a fucking junkie twitching chain smoking Yeah, yeah man that this movie did have i was like the amount of chain smoking on submarines i don't know that i was okay with as a guy who occasionally dabbles in like cigars or whatever you're like I would do anything I could to not lose my shit and axe murder people. Not right? a lot of ventilation. Yeah, right? <laughs> You're just like, well, fuck everyone else, private. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's the cool thing is I started the movie being mad that nothing was happening, right? Sure. To me, this was a movie about a madman ending the world. And at the end of the movie, what I thought was cool is that they told us is that any person who loses themselves and loses some kind of value system can be the fucking madman, right? Okay. And and it's one of the best movies I've seen about using the the kind of sim- symbolisms of what the USSR was, right? Forget everything you know. Ignore what's in front of your face and just do what we say. Right. And Sean Connery using that against his own troops to do what is right is fucking awesome to watch. But this so is what I like is just it tells us, right? When we are all the same, right? We are all the villain and the hero. And Sean Connery really captures that, man. And and I think that's the scary part is that all these big decisions, and at the end of the day, we're all just the guys that want to take a teddy home, teddy bear home. You know what I mean? We just all don't want to be the guy that fucking has our house explode. Yeah. And I think that really, like, because it's so weird, it just feels like an extra right at the end. Like, oh, he's got a teddy bear, he's going home. But that's the thing that just nails it. And I'm assuming that's what all my uncle, uncles love every Tom Clancy movie because you're like, we can all relate to that moment, right? We all just want to be the guy that returns home with flowers for our wife and a gift for our kids and just sit on the couch and watch Hunt for Red October. And, you know? I, spent, <laughs> and I spent like 99% of my entire week yeah. in a submarine solving problems. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. We um, all have our own submarines. Yeah. It's just very few of them will result in the fucking end of the world. So while it is a slow burn, and I understand some of my like hesitations, by the end of the movie, it's just, yeah, man, this reminds me of that great quote, right? Is that the world's not going to end with a bang. It'll end with a whimper, mm-hmm. right? Like, we're just not even going to see it coming. We're just going to be like, well, uh, you know, I'm at Kroger again. Yeah, this self-checkout's annoying. <laughs> and we're all fucking gone. That's probably what'll happen. And that, that, once you start thinking about the movie in those terms, right? This is not 
uh, a McTiernan predator. This is not McTiernan diehard. This is McTiernan just saying, hey, man, it doesn't have all those same, like, bells and whistles, right? Shouting in your face. But it's the scariest movie I've ever made. <laughs> and I, I think I had a, a much greater appreciation for it as it was wrapping up. Sure. Right? And so, yeah, again, when I'm like you and I've seen it more than once, I'm sure I will find more and more things. I wonder what I missed in, like, the first hour of that movie. Right. When I was just like, where's the fighting? You know, I was expecting, like, Air Force One on a Russian sub, and it just <laughs> didn't get there. <laughs> so, so okay, uh, let me throw this at you, because uh, yeah. I, I know I don't – I could – the unfortunate scenario is I can talk about this movie for hours. Sure. But I know that the listeners only only have so, many, so much time. <laughs> so, if you had the ability to oh. recast this today – yeah. Who are you choosing? Ooh, and and, yeah, and I'm not going to go down the entire list, but who do you have as Sean Connery? Who do you have yeah, as yeah, Alec yeah, Baldwin? Yeah. I've got mine. Okay, let me hear yours. I'd like to hear yours. Who do you have as Jack Ryan? I would love John Hamm. Yeah, he's a good one. Yeah, He's a good one. Because uh, he's, he's got enough moxie mm-hmm. to have a sense of humor, but also be the guy that you take seriously when he goes and tells you something. Nice. Yeah, see, my first thought like i left it chris pine you're like he's yeah almost, but he's already played it yeah and he's almost like too attractive we're like chris pine never walks into a room and gets like bullied by someone you know I mean? like does that ever happen to that fucking guy no nope. way uh you know here's a jack ryan for you this is a little out of left field what if you had peter dinklage play jack ryan like, just think about that for a second, right? The aesthetics don't fit based on Tom Clancy's novels. I think it could, though, because Jack Ryan is not a guy who's running around having to beat ass, right? This no. is the classic I know things and drink uh, wine or whatever. Sure. I think Peter Dink, and he has that fucking aura oh. of, because imagine the scene, right, when uh, they say Jack Ryan has to give the briefing. And all of a sudden, they're all looking at him like, you're not military, you're just some little fuck, right? You know, you're just some guy, you don't belong here. Peter Dinklage has that, you know, you can judge me based on whatever, but he fucking owns it. I could. Oh, I so think FYI, that would be a fascinating I could. I, I couldn't agree more, <laughs> but I also think that, it, uh, to your point, yeah. like, almost every single thing that we've been brought up thinking yeah. makes me think that that's a, a bad decision. Because sure. I, 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 go, I go, oh, well, what does it look like, right? Yeah. And who the fuck? If yeah. anything... Jack Ryan's a perfect guy perfect. because he's a perfect not, character. For he's English. not asked to go in and beat people up. No. So I, that's a, that's a great yeah. call. Okay. So yeah. who's, who's Sean? That is so fucking hard, man. Do you want me to give you yours? Yeah. Uh, what do you got? Mine? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. Christoph Waltz. Oh my God. That's amazing. You know, what's <laughs> weird about Waltz though is he doesn't have that like fatherly fear, right? That paternal fear factor. We haven't asked that of him yet, but, Wait, wait, like wait. You hold see on. Him in Glorious you... Bastards, when he's doing his, like, talking, it's you're J- already defeated and you're so scared. Think about Django. Think about Django Holy Unchanged. When I just he... solved it. Old man Sam Neill. <laughs> Old man Sam Neill is bring, the perfect guy to cast. Bring him back up here. Curmudgeon old Sam Neill. Right? Like, Hunt we for the Wilder just to Hunt for the Wilder people. That version of Sam Neill. Love it. He's fucking perfect for that. Ooh, actually, you know what? I don't. Do they have African American Russians? They do. I don't. Okay. So they haven't they outlawed do, them yet. You know, he gay. That's the problem. <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne. 
Lawrence could. Uh, Lawrence La- Fishburne is the kind of guy but, who could do the, that kind of role, and I would watch immediately. But does Lawrence have the ability to have a dialect that actually makes it feel like it mean, is somebody Connery that is an American? <laughs> no, no, no. But his dialect is not American. Yeah, that's true. It's not, it's, yeah. it's not American feeling. No, like you have to have I somebody. I bet he does. I bet he does. You have to have somebody that. Like, imagine you, this, right? Remember when, like, Forrest Whitaker, everyone's like, Last King of Scotland, like, for it. When Forrest Whitaker came out and he had a completely different voice, and he's kind of done a lot of these movies now. Like, he did that in Black Panther. But when Forrest Whitaker came out, that is, Last King of Scotland is like the Connery role where you're just like, what the fuck? I, so, so, I think Lawrence Fishburne would be awesome to have that moment. I was thinking about this in R.I.P. Alan Rickman would have been my name. Oh, choice. my God. Alan he would have been the – oh, dude, that's so much better. <laughs> I love Lawrence Fishburne, but I'm one of those guys – you could have cast Alan Rickman in anything, yeah, and I would have been. I, I like he's just <laughs> one of those guys. Well. Like he just has that everything about that guy. I just fucking it. Alan Rickman would have been perfect. Perfect. For I know. This. I know. It, it, oh. it, but but it, I I like that the makes fact- me so happy thinking like Dinklage versus Rickman? or no Dinklage versus or cooperating with Rick, Rickman, Rickman. Right. Uh, it's almost like the Potter Snape story. I wish we had had. Were they bonded before death? <laughs> right? Like, I would have loved that. Ah, uh, oh, that's a good one, dude. That is fucking strong, sir. That's fun. I that's like that. really fun. That's uh, strong. So just to give you a heads up, there's a thousand other things I could talk about. My point is uh, I wanted so to. Wait, I, let's I, do this, right? Okay. To wrap this up, yeah. right? Tell me. If you're pitching to someone else who doesn't have a movie podcast, like, I don't want to sure. watch that boring-ass dad movie. Yeah. How would you summarize the joy that this movie gives you? Like, tell me what it is about this movie that fucking kicks the tires and lights the fires for you. Do you think that, that person is still listening to this podcast at this oh, point? Oh, fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> they can't get enough of the shit I said. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so so f- for for that one, uh, so Eric, uh, I'm just yeah, right. I- assuming the Random Eric. guy yeah. who's just found submarining. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> One of the things that you're going to absolutely love about this movie is that it combines not only intense thriller action, but it allows you to understand a little bit more about naval uh, specificities and the fact that there are there's layers of decision making that you have to go through. And there's certain people that are incredibly influential. So you need to be able to go and not only work through those influential people, but you have to be able to go and make smart decisions on your own part to go and make things happen. So let me wrap this up. Watch it because you care about seeing um, a smart movie that has world-ending consequences that are actually plausible. That right. kind of stuff is it's few and far between. Because we see a lot of movies where the world is ending, Absolutely. and it's and, and it's ridiculous. <laughs> this is straight up a scenario where it's like I feel like there are a lot of uh, 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 one thing that I know about you is that um, the movie itself has to have uh, there has to be a lot of on the line, mm-hmm. and this is a movie to me that feels like it's the antithesis of. Everything's on the line. There's a lot of players to it. Yeah. And it helps you understand that there's multiple layers that had to have worked out for this to have worked. Absolutely. And so every scene is incredibly important to the end of the film. Yeah. My mine is twofold, right? Like my my pitch to this would be is that it's shocking how many cogs it takes to make a doomsday clock, right? Right. 
like, man, a lot of fucking people have to do, you know, a lot of bad things to get us here. But one guy can press the button that stops it, you know. Right. And that's what I like about this movie is that the optimism of cause it, it, it's one of those movies. It'd be so easy to just make a cynical action thriller. Right. With so many people in this movie have to extend an olive branch of decency and fucking trust that someone else is also trying to do their best. Yeah. There's way more optimism in this movie than I thought. In a movie about this all too realistic and terrifying scenario, Mm -hmm. that really warmed my heart, man. Like, it's nice to think that there are just people out there that will do the right thing and not be overwhelmed by the moment. So that's that's what I would take away. Just be like, man, I'm glad that exists because I don't know that many of us have it. You know what I mean? So that's it, guys. That's the hunt for red october i hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did uh stay tuned we'll be back immediately with crimson tide um this is just denzel washington getting handed the keys to a naval ship of hollywood stardom by gene hackman and it is fucking awesome uh as always if you like the show please leave us a rating and review wherever you find us especially on apple podcast app that helps us a ton you can find us on any social media you're on And follow us on our YouTube channel, Nerd Alchemist. That's plural, with an S at the end. Uh, We'll be back in a minute. Thank you very much, Kevin, for joining me. It was my pleasure. And please, for for God's sakes, talk to your fathers about Hunt for October (laughs) and grow your relationship with them. They'll never be happier than if you gave them, like, Reeboks for Christmas. (laughs) I I love Hunt for October, Tom Clancy, and New Balance. Can we go and get a beer together? (laughs) You're the best son. You're the best son he's ever (laughs) lived.